Merry Christmas, church. It is so good to be here with you. I'm glad that you're joining us this Christmas morning as we get to worship our Lord and Savior. The whole reason that we have this season is because of what happened in a manger, in a stable, in a place where no one thought anything good would happen other than maybe the tending of some nice animals. The king of all creation came in flesh. And so uh, this morning, as we have worshipped him through song, we are now going to worship him through the reading of his word and through understanding what he has given to us in the Gospel of John. If you haven't been with us, we've been going through the prologue to the Gospel of John, the first 18 verses in John chapter 1. And we have been moving through it through this season called Advent. We have a wreath uh, that's down here, uh, and all the candles are lit. Last night we lit the Christ candle, the central candle. Uh, And we've been trying our best to work through this uh, section of Scripture to understand who Jesus is, what he has come to do, and what we are going to learn through the rest of the gospel, what will be explained to us in in greater detail through the rest of the gospel of John. And so I'm going to start uh, today by reading this prologue, and we're going to get through the entire thing this time. We've been kind of going section by section, verse by verse, but now we are all the way to verse 18. So I'm going to read John chapter 1, verses 1 all the way through 18. So just follow along with me on the screen, or if you have your Bible, you can open it up. Uh, And if you're watching online at home, uh, please go ahead and find uh, scripture that you can have that you can follow along as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. This Christmas morning, we understand, and or I hope that we will begin to understand what that last verse means. It's kind of an awkwardly worded verse, as some of these other verses in our mind are a little awkwardly worded for us, but John is being very specific in how he is trying to communicate the information that he wants us to understand. And so while it may seem a little awkward when we read it, as we unpack it, it hopefully will begin to make sense. The last few words, he has made him known. That's where we're going to focus this morning. We're going to focus on understanding what does it mean that the word has made the Father known. The Word has made God known. Jesus has made the God of the universe known. Jesus, what we will learn through this verse is that Jesus interprets the Father. There's this word, uh, known. The word known in Greek is exo, exegemi. Oh man, I'm gonna, I, I should have wrote it in Greek because I can actually read the Greek, but the, the English, I get all stumbly. That's a joke, by the way. I just can't read. That's my problem. That word means, it's actually two words. It's ek and hegomai. And ek means out. Hegomai means like to tell or to lead. And so, Exhegemi means to lead out or to unfold or to tell the meaning of something. This is actually where we get the English word for many people who study the Bible. Maybe you have heard the word exegesis or exegete. When we study the Bible, our goal is to exegete the passage. When I come up here as your pastor and I read scripture to you, my goal is to then exegete the passage. I want to tell, I want to take out the meaning, tell the meaning of what was written in front of me. This is opposed to something else that people might do called eisegesis. Eisegesis is when you put meaning into something. This is very uh, common when we think about different circumstances that have arisen in our life. Sometimes we might have a story that means a lot to us, and when we look back on it, we start to put meaning into it that may not have been there before. And so for many people, when they look back at their life and they put meaning into a circumstance that they've been in, they feel better about that circumstance. But when we come to Scripture, we should never come seeking to put something into the passage that isn't there. Too often and too many times when we approach Scripture, when pastors approach Scripture, when people who are leading and trying to teach the Scripture, they come and they try to put their own meaning into it. That is never what we are supposed to do. It will distort, it will twist And it will lead us further away from what the Scripture is trying to tell us. 
Instead, we should come to the Scripture trying to understand and draw out of the Scripture what it means. 2 Timothy 2.15. If you're one of our Awana kids, you should know that one. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 exhorts us to exegete God's word, to draw out its meaning, to understand what God's word is giving to us to say. By the way, if you don't know what Awana is, if you are coming in or you're listening online, you're like, Awana, that's just a weird word. I don't know what that means. Awana is our ministry that we do on Friday nights. Uh, We're on break right now, Christmas break. Uh, But we do it on Friday nights with kids, and the whole point of Awana is to get kids to know God's word, to memorize it, to keep it in their heart. And so we study, we show ourselves approved unto God by rightly handling the word of truth. Now, when it comes to Jesus as the interpretation of the Father that he has made him known, Jesus does this not like I am doing it. Jesus doesn't interpret God by merely saying things. See, all I have is I have the ability to try to interpret the words that are given to me, but Jesus is the full interpretation of who of who God is. He is more than mere words, more than just spoken words. He is the living word of God. He interprets and tells us what God is like, what God does. He is not just the teacher. He is the subject. It's one thing to have a historian on, let's say, a famous person from the past, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Be one thing to hear someone teach about the life of Diedrich Bonhoeffer. How Diedrich Bonhoeffer stood up against the Nazi regime. He helped start an underground church. How he preached the word faithfully. How he encouraged and exhorted the saints to stand up underneath of tyranny. And to stay faithful to God before anything else. But it'd be another thing for Bonhoeffer to tell you himself to show you where he was to do things with you. That is far different than ever learning just merely the subject from a teacher, but to actually have the subject with you, living with you, walking with you, talking with you, is a whole other ordeal. In John 14, which we will get to many weeks from now, John 14, verses 8 through 9. Philip, one of the disciples, asked Jesus a very poignant question. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is showing who the Father is in all that he does. 
Philip had yet to grasp this. You'll notice this about the disciples. And we'll, we'll rag on the disciples every once in a while going, man, how could they not get it? How could we not get it? But you'll see this many times. Jesus will be like, man, I've been with you. I've walked with you. I've eaten with you. I have taught you. And you still don't understand what's going on. If you want to know the Father, just look to me. That's what Christ says. Colossians 1.15 and 2.9 and Hebrews 1.3 draw out a little bit more of this. Colossians 1.15 says, Jesus is, he is the image of the invisible God. 2.9 says, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Hebrews 1.3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The image, the fullness of deity in bodily form, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus, if you want to understand who God is, if you want to understand what God acts like, if you want to understand what God cares about, what God's heart is like, you must come to Christ. There is no greater revelation of the character and action of God than Jesus Christ. And that is why when we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating not merely a birth, but we are celebrating a great revelation, a great interpretation of who God is. This is a grace to us, something that we don't deserve, but God and his mercy and his love has come to us to show us in a way that we can understand in human flesh who he is. Last night we discussed how the first grace that God gave was to reveal his character and his law and how his glory was frighteningly shown at Sinai through flashes of lightning and cloud and, and terrible noise. And there was this glory that surrounded and the people were terrified. The glory of God now comes in a humble manger Surrounded by shepherds, livestock, and a poor couple from a little town in Nazareth. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. He is the perfect one. Jesus Christ is the ultimate disclosure of who God is and what God does. We cannot go to a better place than to Christ, than to understand who God is and what God does. And so that is why we have spent such a great deal of time in this prologue unpacking who this word is unpacking what the light is, what the life is, unpacking what is being said, and why we are going to spend a great deal of time 
in this coming year, 2023, we are going to spend even more time diving into this gospel to understand more about this precious Savior that we have. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. I love that verse in heart. This God, this one who was at the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This God who was existent before anything, who has always existed and will always exist. This God who created all things, and there is not one thing that exists that wasn't created by Him. This God... This God gives life and light to all. And then, when he came into the world, he was rejected by his own people. He came into the world, the world didn't know him, but his own people, the people he had saved for himself, the people of Israel whom he had rescued out of Egypt, who he had made his, who he had loved, who he had cared for, he had given the law to, he had given the prophecy to, he had given everything to, they rejected him. But to those who do believe, and I pray that you believe, I pray that you trust in the name of Jesus, that there is no other name that you put your full faith and devotion into. But for all who believe, he has given the right to become children of God, adopted into his family, taken out of our slavery and sin, and brought into his family to be warmed by his heart, to be warmed by his love and his care and his kindness, to be transformed into the likeness of his son, to be like him, a light in the world. Last night when we, we ended our service, we all took light that was taken from the central candle, the Christ candle, and we passed that light out. And that's what we get, are called to do, to pass the light of Christ to others, to be a light in a dark world, to shine that. And what are we to do? We are to tell of the grace upon grace that we have received. We are to tell people that if they want to know who God is, that they should know Christ. That they should know who He is, what His life was like, what He taught, how He walked, how He lived. I was reading an interpreter that said, you know, I guess some theologians think that it doesn't really matter who the man Jesus Christ was. So long as we take his teaching and we apply that, that will be good enough. I suppose you could do that with someone like Confucius. Does it really matter who Confucius was or what Confucius teaches? I think if we're coming to Confucius as a historical person, it's interesting, but looking at his teaching, we can do that. But I am sorry, with the person of Jesus Christ, you cannot separate the teaching from the man because he is the Word of God. He is the direct imprint of who God is, what God is like. And so we cannot just try to rip and wrench the teaching of Jesus away and say, well, I'm just going to go ahead and I'll I'll understand the golden rule. That's good. 
I'll understand that, you know, it's to love God, whoever God may be, you know, just love God. God's out there. He's uh, something that's very nice. And love people, and, you know, that's good enough. We could just take those teachings and run away with them. No, you cannot do that. They are inseparable from the person of Jesus. As soon as you try to rip that teaching away, you are ripping and tearing apart Christ himself. You cannot take just the teaching. You must come to Christ himself. You must trust him for everything. And so this Christmas, this beautiful morning that we celebrate and enjoy our time with our families, our loved ones, we enjoy this season of goodwill towards one another. It's a good thing. We cannot, though, rip it apart from what this season truly celebrates. That it celebrates the coming of the Word of God in flesh. In a humble manger. In a town called Bethlehem. Some 2,000 years ago. So this Christmas, I encourage you to know this God who was veiled in flesh, this word that lived and walked amongst us, that dwelt with us, and I encourage you to trust him. I encourage you to know the ultimate disclosure of who God is and what God does. He is Jesus Christ, and he is our Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you have given us this time to be in your word, to worship you, to understand you. And God, I ask that everyone who is here and those who are watching online, those who are away from us visiting with family, those we have been praying for in our five plus that you would reveal yourself to them to all who are here that they would see you displayed beautifully and powerfully through your word through our actions and love for one another for those who are online that they will have heard these words that they will resonate with them and they will put their trust fully and completely in you God, we, we don't want to leave Christmas empty-handed. We don't want to leave our time pondering your word without any gifts. So may we take with us the gifts that you have given to us. The greatness of your word and the, the greatness of understanding who Jesus Christ is. The grace of your law and the grace of of your Son. May we worship you this morning from our heart, from our mind, and with all of our soul. We praise you this Christmas morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together and worship.